All right, time now for the Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferro, Dookie Lang getting you started here. We have got a uh, a few things we want to discuss, including the Hurricanes getting a much-needed win. Heat continue to work toward their season opener, but we start with the almost win by the Miami Dolphins against the Washington Oof. Redskins in a game that was dubbed the Tua Bowl, the Toilet Bowl, the Tank Bowl, whatever you want to call it. The Redskins pretty much dominated the game through about, what, almost three quarters. And then near disaster. And then Fitz magic happened. It almost screwed up the entire tank process. Clay, uh, I can't normally have a city. What did we learn? We don't learn anything. These two teams are terrible. The Redskins less terrible. I mean, the, the Redskins have a few players you look at. You know, the wide receiver from Ohio State, McLaren. Uh, McLaren played very well. I had a couple of touchdowns. But the, when the Dolphins' perspective is, now comes the decision for Brian Flores of what to do with the Josh Rosen, Ryan Fitzpatrick situation. If you go in theory that you're a young team trying to build, I think you keep Rosen in. But if you're really trying to win games, maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy that now will try to help you win a game, especially against these bad opponents. I think at this point you leave Rosen in there to try oh, to I boost agree. his trade value. and Because uh, I think any minute, in the smallest chance in the world that he may have had Rosen of taking over as the quarterback long term mm-hmm. is gone now because of what we saw on Sunday. And, and I hate to jump to that much of a conclusion, but I think he even admitted during the week that these next 12 weeks, including this past weekend, they were all an audition for him, and that was bad. But and it's of only course, one game. You're going to take him. You're going to stop that audition yes. after one game if you're Brian Flores. Yes, yes. because I feel like he because it's not just Brian Flores. It's Stephen Ross, and I think he would have needed Josh Rosen to go out there and absolutely leave no doubt, no question that he was a franchise quarterback moving forward. He would have had to be almost perfect for these 12 weeks, and and again. Not his fault, mm-hmm. but he would have had to blow everybody out of the water in order to win this job. And I think what we saw on Sunday it crushed any chance of that. Duke, you know what I look at too with this with this situation is we keep you know Fitzpatrick played well. I mean, let's face it, he did play well. Then that's not the standard's not very high for playing well when you're with the Dolphins. But he did charge, let a couple touchdown drives, had that energy. But we've seen this movie before with Fitzpatrick. This is what he does. He comes in and when you're not ready for him, he shocks you and he, and that energy that he brings and he kind of brings a different dimension. He plays well. But when you have time to prepare for him, like I have no doubt in my mind that if they say, okay, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's our starter for next week and he goes into Buffalo, that Buffalo's going to be ready for him and he's not going to do anything the things he did on Sunday. I mean, this is still, it's not like this team all of a sudden found its 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 fixing issue to all issues. Hey, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick playing well. We saw Fitzpatrick early in the season. He's not good. No, we've known all year and we've known his entire career who Ryan Fitzpatrick is. And to Clay's point about the audition being over, look, I could go audition on American Idol, right? And it would take about three seconds of me singing to know I ain't got it. So you don't have to have a long audition to show people everything they need to see. And here's what makes it worse for Josh Rosen. Not only was he bad, not only was he sacked, what, five times? Not only did he throw two picks, not only was he going up against a team that was 0-5, not only was he terrible, but then Fitzpatrick, who everybody knows isn't good, comes in, same offensive line, same receivers, same play caller, mm-hmm. same defense against, totally different game. 
So not only was Rosen bad, I mean, it seemed but, like the offensive line was blame. better. The offensive line was better with Fitzpatrick. For they were better because he made this because he didn't maybe hold on to the ball. Exactly. All day. I was just saying maybe because he was able to move a little bit, and make decisions, but he seemed to have a little bit cleaner of a pocket because he was playing better. Trust me, I'm not here to defend Josh Rosen, but. Rosen had no time. There were guys all over him the entire game and, when he and played. They, look, maybe it the defense was worn down a little bit because, you know, South Florida Heat, whatever, the Washington defense, maybe. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the next thing we're going to talk about is is they went for Tua at the end of the game. They had the opportunity. They scored the touchdown, and then they went for Tua. And by the way, for all of you who are listening who had seen that posted on social media by like 700 different yep. people, uh, Dookie is convinced that he came up with it oh, first. Oh, he, he came I got into work well, and I, we were talking about the game <laughs> and you know, and then he says to me he said to me, he's like, hey, I got a great line. I said, what is that? He said, they went for Tua. That's and right. I said, David, I've read that a hundred times well, already. in my defense, when the game ends, I immediately get off Twitter and I'm, I'm editing, I'm doing other things. So as I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm watching the two-point conversion I said they're go. This is them going for two, Tua. They went for Tua, the and right, I was like, "That's the, the line right call." The right line is they went for two, but the play call was went for Tua. You know, <laughs> the play call looks. So I thought you were going to say the play call was number two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that this, works as this well. This podcast by the way. will be named "The Dolphins Went for Tua." This that, podcast that was, is actually named after our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. I... Here's the thing with the I don't think many people are going to debate long and hard about this this two thing going for two. I will I will say this it, it seemed like the obvious choice when you are the Dolphins and you haven't won a game and you are not moving the ball well and I know Fitzpatrick played well in his short time that he was in but you have no faith in your offense you're probably not going to get a better chance to win a game than one play at the two yard line get it in and you get a win as opposed to then going to overtime and having to actually sustain a drive, finish a drive with whether it be a field goal or touchdown, depending on what the Redskins do. Uh, it was the right call. I'm not sure how you could debate otherwise. I, I know some fans are like, oh, that's – especially in this day and age in the NFL where you look at the analytics of it, in that situation between the analytics and also the way the Dolphins were playing, to me it was the obvious call. Absolutely. The the decision to go for two was, was the right the one. The play and, calls another thing. Yeah, and I know it's it's such a, a, a cliche sports radio podcast topic to sit here and, and rip play calling and things like that. Here's one of the things that were, were odd to me. First off, and this was the last thing that we learned on Sunday, that, that Mark Walton was the one who was repping that play during the week every every time they ran it in practice, that Mark Walton was out there, not Kenyon Drake, which I found a little odd. Now, I don't think that mattered all of that much in the end because even though Kenyon Drake dropped the ball, the blocking was horrific on that play. I have no clue what the receivers were doing, and it was – it. If he had caught the ball, there were three or four guys who were going right to wrap there. him up, right if there. not behind the line of scrimmage, inches ahead if he happened to be Hercules and break one of the tackles. It was if you repped that play every time uh, so many times during the week and that's how it's blocked during the game, how is it getting blocked during practice? What exactly was happening? So 
I mean, my my question is now, was it working during the week and they just forgot? I mean, were you running out receivers that were blocking on the play that weren't blocking during the week too? It was it was just strange. And and the last thing, when you run a block, when you're, when you're going to go out there and, and run a bunch formation out to the left and the running back is behind a bunch of receivers, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Like the defensive, anybody who's out there on defense knows what is most likely coming. So... Yeah, I mean, I I love going for two, uh, but the call itself, <laughs> it, it it just seemed so odd and obvious and poorly executed. So you have so like you said, there were three wide receivers out there and then a running back. So of those four people, the three people who are professional football catchers and the running back, you throw it to the guy who is not paid to catch footballs. Well, first of all, second of all, so he's not a good catcher of the football. Well, and and see, and not to interrupt you, but 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 typically in that in that situation, what you want to do is get the guy who is the best at running with the ball, right. the ball with an easy pass. So it's obvious that the guys in front of him would be the ones that are blocking right, the but smaller pro- guys. Procuring the football is step one, and sure. then and then, okay, so the entire game is a Mark Walton game. First half, Mark Walton's running the ball. All of practice, apparently, Mark Walton is running this play. Then, the decisive play of the entire game, now let's get Kenyon Drake involved. I, I really feel like, honestly, I feel like the Dolphins need to move on from Kenyon Drake. Not necessarily because Kenyon Drake isn't a good player, but nobody in the Dolphins organization has ever known how or when to use him. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a constant. It's a con- no matter what coach, no matter what staff, Kenyon Drake has the talent to be a good NFL player. Not here. He will not be a good player Dude, here because they will they will never give now. him the ball. Yeah. That now he's got fumbling issues. He's got catching issues. He's got. It's just not going to happen here. They need to cut bait. They need to do him a favor. Send him away. Wish him well. He needs and not because he's bad or because he dropped the ball, but because they. How many times have we sat around going, "What are they doing with Kenyon Drake?" It's good rant. It's, it's, it's a good rant. It's a good rant. It's actually it's accurate. It's one of the few times I agree with your rants. That was actually really. I mean, he, no, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go watch yeah, Yankee games. This is this is it. No, and I, and I look. I, I think what do we learn from from Sunday's game? The Dolphins are, are a bad football team, and 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 I know that they got a nice spark. And I will say this: I hate giving credit for energy and for effort. But these guys did not quit yep. on, I don't want to make this like an uplifting, like, oh, everything's okay podcast, you know, hey, we're defending the Dolphins. They're, they're terrible. We get, we know what's going on behind the scenes. But for those people who get caught up, this week, uh, Daniel Kilgore had this sound talking about, you know, people that are, are pro-tank, you know, they, they're going to look for wins and that's what they're trying to do when you can, you know, this and that. And he's right. I think we saw it on Sunday. These guys are playing hard. Sure. And Brian Flores is getting them to play hard. Now, whether he's making the right personnel decisions, whether they're making the right play calls with their coordinators, that's all stuff we could debate when they hopefully have more talent. But, I mean, the bottom line is just they are playing hard. They're not trying to lose football games. They're just not very good, so they're losing football games. And right now they're losing football games at a rate that – I mean, what if they scored a little over 40 points in five games? Now their next two weeks, I mean, they got to go to Buffalo. Very difficult football game. I mean, when you look at, at playing the Bills, a team that's, what, 4-1, and one, and while Buffalo's offense isn't very good, they do one thing well, and that's stop people. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins do one thing really well, and that's not play well offensively. So they stop themselves. Stop themselves, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you look at that, I mean, the Dolphins look like 
to me, the clear worst team in football. And that's the one positive takeaway of the weekend. Yeah, so so let's look ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, the positive is they're the like, do, do we listen to ourselves? No, but that's what like, it is. No, that's what it is. We trained our brains. No, it's correct, but what planet are we on? We just said the Dolphins are clearly planet the worst tank, team in football. Uh, tank and that is the good news. I mean, that, <laughs> that two-point conversion was the biggest Dolphins play since since when? The Super Bowl? When they, when they played San Francisco? No, no. I mean, I'd go well before that because had they scored there – Washington has the tiebreaker over you for the number one pick in the draft. And now, really, you look at the rest of the schedule, and the Jets look like a different team with Sam Darnold out there and and beating the Cowboys. And so uh, I I don't think that there is much of a threat anymore. It's it's you and Cincinnati. You get Cincinnati later on in the year in your house. But at this point, I, I mean, Cincinnati, when Andy Dalton is out there, they should have A.J. Green back if they don't trade him. Later on in the year, even though the game's in Miami, I, I don't... Cincinnati is Cincinnati is more better than the Redskins than the Redskins are better than the Dolphins. So that that game doesn't even really scare me anymore. I, I see nothing standing in the way of this team in 0 16 anymore. Well they can you know what they can trip on a win. Like I I Well they I, almost tripped on a win today. Yeah, I, I you know Sunday. what I just, Well but it can't be against Cincinnati. As long as right, you lose against Cincinnati, right. you're no, fine. Th- no, that's absolutely right. And this this was a must lose game, and you have to give Brian Flores and his entire coaching staff, all the way up the organization, Chris Greer, Stephen Ross, any of his partners in this business, you have to give the entire Miami Dolphins organization full credit. They got the job done. Fans are satisfied. They were entertained in the fourth quarter. They got that game-tying touchdown. Were you still still there in the fourth quarter? And And then they had the wisdom to draw up the worst two-point conversion play that is the best two-point conversion to fail in South Florida since the 1984 Orange Bowl when Nebraska oh, well and Kenny done. Calhoun batted the ball down well to give the done. University of Miami their first national championship. That's how big this the was. The best incompletion. That, that, Kenny, that's Kenny Calhoun. Kenyon Drake was a was a self-Kenny Calhoun. All right, stop. Remember I told you your rant was good. This one stops. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. And I, I stopped you jokingly because you mentioned the cane, so I figured that's a perfect segue into there was good news at Hard Rock. Well, actually, Sunday was good news too. The Dolphins lost, but Friday night the Canes won. And I think we, unlike tanking, there's no tanking in college. Like you want to win, and and the Canes to keep any chance alive of whether it be the Coastal going to a bowl, having any sort of momentum of, of, of any kind of feel of positivity, they needed to win that game. And look, while it wasn't pretty, I think what we all discussed last week on the pod was Manny has to do one thing concentrate on one thing and start with the defense because that's his bread and butter. Well, he listened. I don't know if he listened to the podcast. I think he listened but to he the listened, But he listened to the theory, and it paid off because Miami's defense was very good Friday night, and it was to in point to what we said. When the Canes play defense, outside of the top teams in the country, they can hang with anyone in their schedule. Those middle-of-the-pack ACC teams, they'll be in games where they should win. You you hit the nail on the head at the end of that, though. Anyone in their schedule. Yeah, the, their the, schedule. AC, yeah, the ACC, yeah, yeah. the Coastal is just it's so bad. It's pretty simple. Don't turn over the ball five times yeah. more than your opponent, and you're going to win. And again, you know me. I'm a Virginia Tech guy. Virginia Tech almost struggled. They were only up by three in the third quarter against one of the worst 1AA teams in all of football this past weekend. So, 
The Coastal is so bad that if you go out there and just don't hand the ball to the other team, and you're Miami and you're more talented than anybody else in the division, you should win every single game on your schedule within the division. So, I mean, looking forward, it's you have a shot. You absolutely have a chance to win this division, but some things have to happen around you. At this point, though, you'll own the tiebreaker over Virginia. You won't have it against North Carolina. But, yeah, I mean, Manny taking over the defense, but also just don't screw it up. And and the Canes have the talent that as long as they don't screw it up in a game, they have a chance to beat anybody in this division and go to the ACC title game and lose to Clemson by 100. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that, look, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but I think when we look at Miami as a whole – I mean, I still agree. You know, we talk about the Rosen Fitzpatrick thing. That's like, what are you arguing there? Who, basically, who's going to be the tank commander? But in this case, you're really <laughs> talking about future of Miami. The, and Jaron Williams is a guy that the Kings love. He is not right at the moment. You know, he didn't play well a couple weeks ago in that game. He didn't play in this game, obviously, because Manny Diaz said he, he wasn't right. There was something still wrong with the shoder. He said after the win, though, Jaron's still our guy. But it's one of those things where he, the way he said it, guys, is that he, he set it up the way he's still our guy, but he's always got the built in excuse of the injury. If Nikosi keeps playing well and they keep winning and Jaron is just there and he doesn't play him, he could always say, well, Jaron's still not there yet. You could, you could do this still not there yet for another four or five weeks. I do believe, though, that it is best for Manny. If Jaron is really healthy, to turn it back to Jaron because this season is no longer about winning the division and, and winning the, the conference and having a shot at Clemson and making a major bowl. That's all out the window. This season is still, to me, about addressing that quarterback situation. I still think Jaron Williams could be the guy for the future of Miami. I think Manny feels the same way. So I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I think Jaron Williams needs to take that starting job back. I don't think Nikosi Perry was that good against Virginia. Let's well, he, talk- he did what he had well, to do. Well, no, but let's talk about what the offense did, okay? The offense came out. Their first drive was perfection. Great drive, well-called, 17-yard touchdown to DJ Dallas. Great. They didn't do anything for the next three, basically two-and-a-half quarters. Well, okay. to Clay's point, what they didn't do was throw the, the game away. But they but there were, he did, they didn't do anything. The defense played great. The defense was kind of that bend that don't break. Virginia had several well, they, trips. They, many times in the red several zone. Several yeah. trips to the red zone. And the Canes were able to just come up with that right play, whether it was a fourth down stop by Greg Russo or the turnover that uh, Bandy picked up. Just they made enough plays. And then at the very end of the game, Perry was able to punch in that final touchdown. He was a serviceable game manager he in was, that game. But that's, and, and that I'm what not, the I'm Canes not ripping them. need, though? I, when, if they play defense, sure, that's kind of what they need. Sure, but I think I th- I, this just to, to, to your question, I think Jaron's better. Oh, I, I agree. I think, I think Clay probably and I think too. his I think his shoulder probably is hurt because that offensive line and all the punishment he took. I mean, we were all thinking after that Gators game when he got sacked ten times, we were like, how does a guy get thrown around like that and not get hurt? Yeah. So I don't know if you know the Jaron Williams that I saw before he got started getting slammed around that Gators game was enough for me to know. That between the well, two of them, that, you know, North Carolina game, I thought he, yeah. he made some good throws. I, I lean, I lean to more towards Jaron. That, that's oh. just my personal opinion. But I agree with you that Manny can buy some time with with the injury thing. But next season, game one, if it's not Jaron Williams, I would be surprised. I, I don't think there's any doubt that it's Jaron Williams, and I think I think that Manny is trying to navigate right now the injury. 
versus how much do I tell people about mm-hmm. the injury? How much do I let on to our upcoming opponents about how bad it may be? How much do I keep this under wraps? And my first my first kind of glimpse of that was after the Virginia Tech game when I, b- I believe if I remember this correctly, I think he said one thing in the post-game news conference about the injury where he said he could have come back in. And then on QAM, I think he said something to the effect that, no, he, he was still dealing with the shoulder. And he, he, there was a gray area in the statement with QAM. So I, I feel like whatever it is that he knows, he he's trying his best to use it a little bit as, as kind of a competitive advantage mm-hmm. as best he can moving forward, which, by the way, any coach would do. Yeah, I think most coaches do. You do something. I will say this, too. The thing that, that, it, that we could sit here and rip Manny, which many have done in town, and, and I get that it's a popular thing to do when your team is losing games and not playing well, and the case a bit of disappointment. Manny is going to be part of that disappointment. There are things he's done this year that I haven't uh, you know agreed with or understood, but I've said all along, I just think it's part of, as a first-time coach, first year, kind of putting in your program you're going to make mistakes but I also have to give credit where it's due Manny said he was going to handle the defense more hands-on he did the defense was much better you got to give Manny credit for that sure he, he, he saw a problem and what that means for Baker I'm not sure but I mean he saw a problem and and he, and he didn't take the job away from his defensive, defensive coordinator but he said I'm going to get my hands involved and help you out and it paid off their defense Dukey mentioned the bend don't break that's kind of been Miami the last few years as good as they've been defensively they haven't necessarily been a shutdown they've been a bend don't break create turnover big play defense Mm -hmm. but they have been moments where you've seen weaknesses where there have been big gains but they tend to overcome that in the red zone or create turnovers now the next step for Miami will be if they're gonna have more successes start creating more turnovers but I, I thought Manny did his you know, in, in a time of, of adversity, in a time of, of struggle for his team, did a very head coach-like thing and stop the problem in its tracks. Didn't just say, like, oh, we're going to overcome this and deal with it as a team. No, he said, I, I'm the head coach. I have to be responsible for things. And, and so quickly, let's contrast that a little bit with, with perhaps what we're seeing with the Dolphins right now, where I feel like there was just some, some things that happened during that game against Washington where if you're trying to win that game and, and part of it was the two-point conversion play call, that you're you're kind of scratching your head a little bit and saying, okay, is is this – Manny does the thing that you need to do as a head coach even if it makes it a little uncomfortable in the locker room and it works. I, I want to see I want to see Flores do a couple of things like that. And in fairness to him – Comparing those two situations, so I, it, on the surface of it, it's not fair because one team is likely going one in fifteen, zero in sixteen. The other team is probably going to finish over five hundred and, and go to a bowl game. But to wrap it up, going back to what you said, Will, about the team playing with energy, playing with passion. Yeah, it was good to see that, despite the fact that it's a lost season. We also saw the Dolphins play with passion for Adam Gase for a while. And what I want to see, I want to see some things with this season for the Dolphins that translate moving forward, that make you feel good about this coaching staff, about the players who will be left. And I think we saw a little bit of that with Manny Diaz, and and he was able to fix something. I want to see what the Dolphins do in that respect. That's fair. I Uh, want to see Tua Tonga-Vailoa in a Dolphins uh, jersey. Well, listen, they're on track to see (laughs) it. Seven months? Give it some time because the tank continues Thank you to Kenyon Drake for dropping that ball and for Brian Forrest for that play call or Chattel Chair, whoever the heck designed that thing. It was terrible. But the Dolphins almost won, and they made it exciting for a Sunday. The Kings did win. And by the way, we didn't talk heat, but we will certainly as they approach their opener in a little over a week. That is your Miami Sports Pod. We'll talk again next week.